0: mishmash a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under the radar statewide story that affects you and folks we have been talking about this for a very long time but now is your chance to influence the way michigan's political maps look for the next 10 years.
1: Yes, Michigan's brand new independent redistricting commission has started its work of redrawing our congressional and state legislative district lines after the 2020 census. And the first step is collecting input from. Well, you, yes, you, I'm looking at you. This is an opportunity to put aside those hot takes on Twitter and Facebook for a bit and take your well-reasoned, thoughtful, and respectful opinions to the panel that will decide how you're represented for the next decade.
0: The commission is going on tour. It's not quite the exciting tour that maybe some of us who miss live concerts have been hoping for, (laughs) but they're going on tour, coming to a town near you. It's a total of 16 stops across Michigan. It has already held two meetings in Jackson and Kalamazoo. And one of the big questions it's trying to address is essentially what is a quote community of interest?
1: That really is the question for this commission. Here are the top priorities for the final district maps. They need to comply with federal laws, make sure districts are geographically contiguous and reflect the diverse population of our state, and then they must reflect communities of interest. Experts say no other state prioritizes this more than Michigan does.
0: So again, what is a community of interest, well, in some ways, it's kind of self-explanatory. It's a community of people who share common interests. But, and here's the tricky part, is defining the community part of that equation. And there's not an easy answer to that. Kimball Brace is the president of Election Data Services, Inc., which has been hired by the Redistricting Commission to help redraw our political maps. He says it's really up to the public to define what a community of interest is.
2: Generally, it means that people tend to be somewhat similar in nature. We, from the data side, look at things like census information to kind of get a clue on what might be a community of interest, but it's important that geographically we understand what people are talking about.
1: So here's where we start getting into some tough questions. Different people define their communities differently, and there's a lot of identity involved. It can often have to do with race, ethnicity, economic status, political leanings, urban, rural, suburban. It often also has to do with the school district you live in, as well as other natural and man-made boundaries.
0: Right. So, for example, let's say a huge freeway splits your city in half.
1: Wait, what? In Michigan? No.
0: I know, I know, I know. But for the sake of argument, (laughs) some people might say that freeway is a natural place to draw a district line. Some people might say you should absolutely not draw a district line there in order to keep the community together. Again, it's all about how you, the citizens, define community.
1: So start thinking about that. And when you decide what's important to you about what your community looks like on a district map, let the redistricting commission know we only get this opportunity once every decade. So earlier you heard that quote from Kimball Brace, and that was from an interview that I had with him this week. It was really great to have this opportunity to talk with him as he assists our redistricting commission in redrawing these maps. He has a lot to say about this issue of communities of interest, one of the most Uh, enjoyable parts of the conversation was when I got to ask him about uh, being on The Daily Show a little while ago, a few years ago, uh, in which they essentially likened him to the Picasso of gerrymandering. Uh, And so I asked him about that. Uh, That comes a little bit later in the interview. Uh, But it, it was a really, really great conversation. And I thought I would share it with you here. So here is my conversation with Kimball Brace, a redistricting expert of about 40 years, and president of Election Data Services, Inc. Kimball Brace, welcome to Mishmash. Thank you there. So listeners know your name and your position now, but I wanted to take this opportunity before we get into the meat of the conversation for you to introduce yourself uh, and explain to listeners the role that you're going to be playing and that you already are playing in this process of redrawing our political maps here in Michigan.
2: Certainly. um, I'm with a company called Election data services. I started that company back in 1972 um, and I've been involved with the redistricting and the census um, and uh, election administration issues uh, for the past 45 years. Um, We do redistricting around the country uh, and have for the past four decades and going into our fifth one now Um, We end up uh, putting together databases that are extensive in order to help out the process, both with census data and political data for analyzing the consequences of line drawing, Uh, and then um, deal with all the geography issues uh, and look towards seeing what can be done. Because usually in redistricting, you're ultimately passing a bill in the legislature, so you have to get 50% of the votes plus one uh, in order to do that. So it, many times it involves uh, compromising and figuring out how you can compromise. So that's part of our expertise. I, uh, I know that I've, I've always said that I know I've done a good job. If everyone is just a little mad at me, uh, then, then I, I know I'm kind of even Steven on that side.
1: In terms of the role that uh, the commission, the Independent Redistricting Commission has hired you to do, um, explain how that how you envision that playing out. It's already uh, started its public meetings on uh, getting public input on these uh, lines. Um, You know, exactly what is the commission asking you to do? I mean, you're you're essentially drawing
2: the the actual lines. Is that correct? Um, We're working with the commission to draw the lines. Um, you know, it is really the commission's job to do that line drawing process. We're facilitating that. We're helping them through the mechanics of the process of drawing it, um, helping them analyze, um, uh, different moves that are possible, uh, and taking a look at that kind of an issue. Um, and we're closely monitoring what the public is talking about. Um, I was uh, reviewing the, the video from last night's, uh, first public hearing to see what people are talking about. The, the important thing on that is that indeed everybody come out and testify, um, but be cognizant that as you're testifying, it's very useful for the commission to understand your concepts and how they relate to the geography. And that is sometimes a difficult concept to deal with. Um, But certainly the commission has set up a mechanism so that the public can get onto the computers and draw lines themselves, uh, draw configurations and draw what they're looking at as the community of interest. And that's so important for all of us that ultimately take all this information and try to distill it. We, We need to know the public's perception of what Uh, an area, a map, uh, a neighborhood, uh, whatever the case may be, um, looks like. So getting it onto a map is critically important.
1: That term that you use, uh, community of interest, a big topic that I want to touch on today talk about what that term means uh, in terms of what is required of this new political map uh, and what it says about again communities of interest uh, you know it's uh, it, it some ways seems a bit self-explanatory but um, you know what what is what are the considerations that are going to be made there
2: um, communities of interest is one of those terms that it depends on the views of the participant um, and it is um, up to the public and to the users to help define that community of interest. Generally, it means that people tend to be somewhat similar in nature. Um, We, from the data side, look at things like census information to kind of get a clue on what might be a community of interest. But it's important that geographically we understand what people are talking about. Uh, I know some of the hearing testimony last night um, uh, talked about um, i94 dividing uh, the county down there at, um, and, and around Jackson and they were there was some t- testimony that i94 is is one way of drawing the boundary but another way would be crossing over 94 and connecting both parts of the city together Those kind of concepts are important for the commission to understand because it's those elements that as we grapple with all the components, we need to be able to to know and see um, what people are talking about.
1: And considering what we've heard already about what people are thinking about when they think of what they consider a community of interest, a lot of it has to do with, you know, who those people among the public, uh, who they identify with, who they feel like they're in a community with. But that could be a lot of different Things right? I mean that that could break down by uh, pure geography, uh, by by race, by uh, economic status, by rural versus urban versus suburban. Talk about um, all of the things that uh, you know. In in some ways, it seems like uh, there's probably issues of people feeling uh, there, there's there's a lot of identity wrapped up into this question. Um, and and how difficult is it for a commission or someone like you drawing? Uh, Uh, these maps, to do that in a way uh, that is uh, really respectful of all of those different uh, identities and sort of, uh, you know, feelings of of what a community actually represents.
2: Um, It is something to be cognizant of and trying to understand, but it's also something that um, when you start getting into the heart of that issue, um, it shows the difficulty of doing that. Um, everyone's perception of what a community is, is slightly different from the guy next door uh, or their perception or their group's perception of the community. And so what you end up um, having many times is conflicts. Um, That's certainly what redistricting is all about, trying to figure out where things could go together, where things don't go together um where to understand well there's no way you're going to get around it because the population's too small or it's too big or that sort of thing those are some of the concepts that you've got to be very cognizant of as you're putting together a plan
1: i'm curious what you think of weighing that requirement and those considerations uh, well, also taking into consideration other things that are associated uh, with gerrymandering, such as packing and cracking—a uh, uh, term that anyone studying gerrymandering uh, has heard. In other words, you know, uh, when you're trying to put, um, you know, that that term—I think—and uh, correct me if I'm not representing this correctly—but putting as many voters of one sort of political leaning into one district, so that others can be drawn to advantage another party. Um, it, when you're thinking of putting a community. Together, how do you also make sure that you're not getting into that territory in terms
2: of redrawing lines? Um, uh, unfortunately, that's probably not always avoidable. Um, and again, it's people's perception of what where things stand. Um, it, but it is a recognition that you've got got kind of these competing interests. Um, it may be that one party is interested in putting as much of the other party into one area while it may be that that other party may be interested in having as many of its members together possibly to have an influence at least. Um, it's, it's many times an issue of how do you equate the two um, but when you look at it from a, like a political science standpoint, that sort of thing. It does also come down to maybe what the overall control of the legislature or the legislative body might be to see whether or not there's influence there or there's no influence. Um, That's where you're, you're really looking at it from a multitude of different factors. And it may also be the fact that you may have Um, You know, in a state house configuration, you're looking at balancing this interest, but when you get to the state Senate, it balances the other interest. So it may be through those multiple tiers of geography that you can try to balance both competing things uh, at the same time.
1: Now, you mentioned the legislative process. Obviously, this uh, process is different here in Michigan this time around because we're dealing with an independent redistricting commission. How do you view that process playing out, we've seen it in other states, but uh, differently uh, than when you're having politicians make the final decision about these lines. Uh, what do you think will be the, the difference? Have you worked with a, a state that has uh, done something similar? And, and what, are the, what are the differences in, in how this is all going to play out in your mind?
2: Um, we've worked in states that have commissions. Um, we've staffed commissions. We've helped them through that process also. Um, so we're very familiar in that regard. Um, you know, what we're seeing this time around is many more public commissions, um, like what has been now set up in Michigan. Um, and so you've got a different dynamic and a different dimension to deal with. Um, and part of that then is dictated by who's on the commission. You know, who are the people and what are their dimensions uh, to take into account? Um, uh, it, it is intriguing to to watch, as I've done for the last four months, uh, the Michigan Commission and looking at the dynamics of the commissioners themselves. And so it's it's good to see that dynamic also come into play.
1: Now, you, you and your company have been the subject of some controversy in the past. In 2013, you were the subject of a segment on The Daily Show, which likened you essentially to the Picasso of gerrymandering, uh, and sort of made you the face of gerrymandering through that uh, through that piece. It said you were behind some of the most gerrymandered districts in the country. Now, this commission, of course, in Michigan was created to end gerrymandering. What do you tell people, uh, especially here in Michigan, who worry that your reputation is in conflict with the mission of the process? Well, you have
2: to take a look at some of the meaning behind the districts. The Daily Show was looking for extreme examples to try to show what could be done. Um, In that show, they highlighted the 4th Congressional District of Illinois, uh, which is a big C. Um, But what they failed to recognize is that sea, first of all, was dictated by the federal courts. Um, It's also dictated by the fact that you have Hispanics in the top part of that sea and Hispanics in the southern part of the sea, and through the middle is a whole bunch of African Americans. And so, uh, you know, trying to create districts to, to show both communities may be that you have to deal with and and draw some strange looking characters to reflect both communities. Uh, You couldn't very well create a Hispanic seat uh, going up and down and just be those two pieces uh, because it would destroy the African-American community. You couldn't draw the African-American community all the way out into the suburbs. You had to stop. And that's what we did in order to allow that sea to come around the African American community. So um, while people have criticized that as as a way of showing gerrymandering, um, what it really is, is a way of trying to to accent and show uh, different uh, interest groups and allow for candidates of choice to be elected. Uh, The Federal Voting Rights Act requires that sort of thing. So uh, while people may not like the shape of it, um, it may be something that's required.
1: That, and that gets into an interesting sort of dilemma here in Michigan that's been talked about quite a bit, which is about how much geographically compact districts matter in in representation here. In your mind, is it generally better to have geographically compact districts as opposed to ones that will still wind around, have, you know, very sort of, um, you know, jagged lines, things that don't seem to make sense when you're looking at a map. Um, You know, how important do you think it is to make those as compact as possible?
2: Well, it it partly depends on the 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 makeup of that area. Um, Indeed, if you've got um, minority populations that need to be reflected and protected by the voting rights act it may be that you can't draw something geographically nice shaped squares or circles or that sort of thing depending upon where people live and what you find out in redistricting it's a combination of both geography and geometry but also the population and who's there so it's it's a process of studying that and taking a look at what the data shows you to see where things can come together. Now, the problem that we have in Michigan and everybody has around the country is that the census is late. The, it's late in terms of getting to us. Uh, it should have been here already. Uh, under federal law, they were supposed to release the data uh, by April 1st. Uh, it's now May, uh, the middle of May. We still don't have it. And we won't have that data until probably August 16th at the earliest. So what that does is it causes all of this investigation effort to kind of be in a stall pattern until we see the data. And we don't know how good the data is gonna be. You know, we ha- went through the whole co- uh, virus issue. We went through the whole issue in terms of the Trump administration and how it dealt with the census and, and dealt with the citizenship issue. That could have had a significant impact and we won't really know that until we get the data. And people then can start evaluating of, is it good enough? Is it good enough for use? Um, we, we've gotta use something. And so it becomes the question of what are we gonna get in August?
1: One, one more issue that we kind of got into there was I think that there is there does seem to be some confusion, even with some demographers I've talked to here in Michigan about, you know, the necessity for majority minority districts in Michigan, especially under the Voting Rights Act. I'm curious if you can clear up exactly what
2: the requirements are going to be in this process. Um, well, certainly the the main thing is that the Voting Rights Act says that you need to fairly reflect The concentrations of minority populations in the jurisdiction. Um, Now, what is your definition of fairly reflect? That could be subject to dispute or discussion or argument or uh, different things on that side, but it is still a recognition that you've got to do it to to a certain degree. Um, What degree it is and how it's dealt with Uh, that can be open to interpretation and differences between people. So
1: what we've heard about the idea that there has to be two minority, majority districts in Michigan, it's not quite as prescriptive as that is what you're
2: saying. Um, Well, first of all, you've got to study and analyze the data. Um, uh, You know, we're bringing in as part of the team an expert dealing with racial block voting analysis. Uh, And Lisa's main task is to take the data and analyze it, both the census data and the political data, to see if there's some degree of racial polarization that requires you have to create those kind of districts. So it's one of the investigative tools that we're using to help answer that question and give guidance to the commission in terms of where they ought to be cognizant or stay away from or whatever the case may be. I feel like I have to ask this question going back to the daily show really quick. Cause
1: honestly, I've never spoken to someone who's been the subject of one of those segments, especially on sort of the wrong side of one of those segments. You know, what were, what were your thoughts when you, when you sat down and you viewed it uh, just as, as someone, cause I mean, honestly, I I, I have watched the show, uh, especially back then in that time period, was watching it pretty religiously. And if I was watching it, I would probably see that and think, wow, this is the face of someone who is on the wrong side of history in a lot of cases. But, you know, personally, uh, as someone who who sat who who agreed to that interview, sat down, talked to Jason Jones in this
2: case, and then, uh, you know, went
1: went ahead and watched it. What was going through your mind as you saw that?
2: Well, uh, uh, Jason was d- trying to do a good job. Um, my interview with them went three and a half hours long, and he was repeatedly coming back to, "But look at this district, you know what?" And I was just telling him exactly what I just told you: How do you compete with different interests when they're competing against each other, and how do you? reflect both of them. And when you've got a court case and the federal court says you need to create these kind of districts, yes, they might look strange. Um, And so you have to understand that. Um, But it was uh, he was probably very frustrated with me because I kept on coming back with, well, what do you want to do, you know, on this side of things? You know, (laughs) um, I'm sure he probably was on that regard. Um, uh, we had fun and, and interest, um, I, I told him after the spot got finished and I saw it the, that first night, um, I said, I was greatly disappointed, um, in that, um, the tail end of that shot or that spot was about, um, the art museum that they had all these paintings in and people yeah. coming in and looking at, oh, how the Browns and how they're doing and, you know, the blues and how do they look. Um, and I said, I wish I could have been invited to the, to the art <laughs> museum on, on that side. Cause so what he did is, um, the, the various district uh, maps that he ended up showing and that sort of thing. He sent me the original painting and he autographed <laughs> it on the back of it. So I do have that it's up on my, uh, my wall here. So, so it it was kind of interesting. It, it was fun. I mean, I, I had a good time and uh, basically <laughs> you you've got to be able to laugh at yourself uh, occasionally so uh, but it was it was interesting and and fun to do well, that is that is a great attitude to have towards something
1: like that. <laughs> I must say, um, I want to just leave here on the note of um, f- with people for people who are interested in in having influence over this process and getting their input in. What should people know about how, if they're just a regular citizen, um, how they can make sure that their voice is heard in the process? Um,
2: be available and go and testify. Um, the commission is setting up. Uh, you know, 16 public hearings around the state, much more than what the the uh, original statute required. So it's it's an effort to get as much input as possible, um, and they're doing a, a great job in terms of making use of Zoom and being able to show people and that sort of thing. Uh, we'll be conducting some some training exercises and that sort of thing, and understanding geography and understanding the data and what kind of things might be seen from that side. Um, So it will be, hopefully this summer, a great education tool
1: for everybody in the state. Kimball Brace is president of Election Data Services, Inc., which has been hired by Michigan's new Independent Redistricting Commission to help redraw our political maps after last year's census. Uh, Kim, thank you so much for joining us on Mishmash. Really appreciate you taking this time. Uh, No problem. Call anytime. Thank you very much.
0: And that's all for Mishmash. I'm Shana Roth. And I'm Jake Neer. Thanks for listening.